curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> you know, like that's just another thing. Winterfell and I Can't Get Up, the podcast that asks mom what she thinks about Game of Thrones. This is season one, episode number 10. I'm Candace Huber, the owner of Chubby and Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans, and I've asked my mom, Gail, who has absolutely no knowledge of Game of Thrones, to read the series and record her reactions for all of you. Read along, listen along, and follow my mom's journey through A Song of Ice and Fire, chapter by chapter, as she discovers for the first time just how brutal it can be. When you read Game of Thrones with your mom, you win or you die laughing. In this episode, we cover Ned 6, Catelyn 5, and Sansa 2 in A Game of Thrones. And now, Mom's Watch begins. And there's a lot that happens in these three chapters. So we'll get started with Ned 6. So at the beginning of this chapter, there's like talking about the hands tourney, as they're calling it. And Ned is like not having it. He gets really aggravated with the discussions about it at the council meeting, and he just basically pieces out. And the most important things really said at this meeting are that the city is getting overwhelmed with knights and their parties for the tournament, because, like, everyone is coming to King's Landing for this. And that Stannis is just a prudish killjoy who wanted to outlaw brothels and ruin everyone's fun. And he's still at Dragonstone right now, so he can't ruin this fun this time. But they do talk about that, how he's just this killjoy, prudish guy who hates brothels. And Ned has the book that John Aaron had asked for. So he got it from Maester Pycelle. And it's super old and outdated. And everything in there is just centuries old. And Ned thinks that there has to be some kind of, like, truth in it. Like, why would John Aaron be wanting this book? But he can't figure out really what it might be, and he's getting really frustrated. So do you have anything to say, Mom, about that first part of them talking about Stannis? Yeah, Stannis, they they talk about the Baratheon brothers, and they're also saying uh, the commander of the City Watch comes and says how he, there's so many people that he's overwhelmed, and they can't, like, control everything that's going on. They can't keep law and order, you know? Right. And so... Uh, Ned tells Littlefinger, well, you can find the money to pay them. You find the money to for the stupid, for the stupid tournament. You can find money to hire some new folks to help this, this poor dude keep order, right? Yeah. So that was one thing that I thought was kind of funny. And then the other thing is, you know, you start learning more about the three stooges, as I like to call them. <laughs> Which is Robert, Stannis, and Renly, right? Baratheon. They're they're just like I don't know, and and Stannis is just like the responsible one. And like I said, you know, <laughs> yeah. he seems like he's more responsible than the other two. So, but he has but just pieced out. He has just pieced out to Dragonstone, and I don't quite understand why. And they do say how he's he's a stick in the mud. You know, he's got like a stick up his ass. You know, he doesn't <laughs> want any fun. He doesn't want any. Any of that kind of stuff. So that's just hard, I guess, on them. And so next, Jory Castle, who is Ned Stewart, comes in while he's like reading this book. And he's talked with some of the people who served John Aaron. So Castle has been the one that's been kind of talking to these people that Littlefinger had suggested. And he hasn't found that much information so far. The biggest piece of info that he discovered is that John Aaron had visited a specific armorer 
to commission some new suit plates and Stannis had gone with him on this like visit. So John Aaron and Stannis also had gone riding together and John Aaron was supposedly super healthy and strong and the two of them also had visited brothels together and this kind of stuff. So even though they were just talking about how Stannis wants to outlaw brothels mm-hmm. and he's this like prudish stick in the mud, we then discover that he was apparently visiting brothels with John, John Aaron. Aaron. Right. Which is which is curious, right? You know, it that's is curious. It's like, you know, and the other thing that came to mind is when I was reading that was how whenever Catelyn and Roderick first went to King's Landing they hid them in a brothel to yeah. have their secret meetings or whatever. And so it makes you wonder, okay, are they having some sort of secret meetings in these brothels? Like, what's going on? And the other curious thing that they mention is that Renly is never invited, right? right. So it's just John Aaron and Stannis that go to this. And it's Stannis is the only one that knows about the new armor. And Stannis... Is like hanging out with John Aaron. Is hanging out with John Aaron, and then when John Aaron dies, he pieces out to Dragonstone. So that's curious. It's all, it is very curious. (laughs) But Jory couldn't get any information on like which brothel they went to or any sort of additional information besides just that they were hanging out and going to, they went to see this armor and they went to some brothels. So he said that the only people who would actually know any of this, like, information are people that Lysa took with her to the Eyrie. And so Ned kind of gets frustrated that, like, everyone who knows anything seems to be super far away. Stannis is in Dragonstone. Lysa is in the Eyrie. She took all these people back with her. Like, no one who seems to, like, have any information or that would have any information is in King's Landing, which is, again, really interesting that, like, all these people are now gone or dead. Right. So Ned decides to visit this armorer that John Aaron and Stannis had gone to just to see what he might be able to drudge up. He also sends Jory and his men off to go explore the whorehouses, basically, and see if they can figure out where John Aaron and Stannis had gone. And that's kind of funny, too, because Jory is like, oh, I'm sure the men are going to hate that. You know? <laughs> oh, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do right? it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny, too. And then, so Ned gets to this armorer, and at first he kind of just lets the man go on and on and, like, do it on. Oh, you're the hand of the king, and you want some new armor, and just kind of lets him go on. And then he asks if the man had ever made a helm or anything for Lord Aaron. And the man says, confirms that Stannis and Aaron came there, but they didn't purchase anything. He says that they just asked to see the boy. And so Ned just kind of pretends like he knows who that is and asks to see the boy as well. And the armorer kind of gets like feisty at that point because he realizes he's probably not going to buy anything. And he takes Ned to the back to kind of go see this boy. What's this whole deal about when Ned thinks about Renly and how he wasn't invited, but how Renly pulled him on the side and showed him a picture of that young woman that he thought looked just like Ned's sister? Marjorie Tyrell. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that happens before he he goes to... Yeah, it does. I didn't make note of armor. that, but go oh, ahead. What did, okay. think, so, what did you think about that? Yeah, anyway, I Renly just, shows Ned a picture of Marjorie yeah, Tyrell. Yeah, and, and says, says I think do, don't you looks, think she looks just like Lyanna? Yeah. You know, and, Ra- and Ned's like, um, no. 
like I don't and then he's like oh yeah she really does and then he just thinks that's weird and that it is weird you know that Renly is like taken with this girl who he thinks looks like Lyanna and they say Renly is like a young version of Robert right, right. so it's like oh is he trying to recreate the Robert Lyanna thing you know which I thought was kind of weird too and I didn't know yeah that is you know weird. it's kind of like what's up with that so i know, you know marjorie tyrell is the daughter of mace tyrell who is the warden of the south so he's the one that's the lord of high garden and oh yeah the yeah warden of the south who they've mentioned before yeah and so marjorie who renly is like oh she's so beautiful and she looks just like liana is that guy's daughter yeah so yeah so that's all in there yeah that's all gonna yeah i know it's all gonna play out i know and so i just wanted to mention that the other thing is that they like who in the heck is lord beric like why do they make such a big deal out of him arriving at the tournament and what part does he have to play in all of this right so they make a big deal right before well, he the, goes to see the arm. Like, he runs into that He runs dude. into Beric. Yeah, Lord right. Beric. Right. Yeah, they, he, that's all they say He runs into him on the way to the armor. And yeah. it's like, oh, he's coming in. Oh, he's here for the tournament. And, you know, it's like a big deal that he ran into him. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of like a big deal that this dude was coming in. So I'm like, okay, what's the big deal about that? Yeah, we don't really know who not that yet. is yet. Yeah, yeah. not yet. And then he goes to the armor, and then, like you said, he he says about the boy when Ned makes, like, well, he knows what he's talking about. So he takes him in the back, and they go to see this this boy. And he's about the same age as Rob, is what Ned thinks. So he's, like, 14-ish, this boy. And he's a really good blacksmith for his age. Like, he's a really good apprentice. His work is really good. He's been making this helm of bullhorns that he shows to Ned, and his name is Gendry, and so we learn that as well. And he shows this helm to Ned, and Ned offers to buy it, but Gendry's like, no, I'm not selling you this, and I made this for myself and all this. And then the armorer gets like, oh god, like this is the hand of the king if he Mm. wants to buy stuff. You know, and then Ned is like, no, no, it's fine. Like, he made it. He can keep it. And then he asks Gendry what he talked about with Lord Aaron when he came. And the boy says that, like, nothing really. He just asked him a bunch of questions about the work and about his mom and about whether he was being treated well. And Gendry says, you know, my mom died when I was little. She had yellow hair. That's the only thing that he remembers about her. And he also says that Stannis didn't really say anything at all. He kind of just stood there and glared at him. And so he's like, I mean, nothing, nothing happened on this visit, pretty right. much. They just asked and him they, a bunch he of questions. also said that his mama was just a person that worked in an alehouse. Right. That's how he gives it and says she wasn't anybody special, he didn't think. So then you kind of come to realize who this kid is. as they're, At the end, yeah. As they're talking about him and... He's asking him questions and, you know, you pretty much gather who the kid is. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, surely Robert has others like him. Oh, yeah. Like you they know, said before, he's no, got a lot of, like, yeah, bastard kids. So what makes him so special? You know, why did they want to make sure he was well taken care of? That's what I... It, Another it's, curious it's like curious thing. and curious. <laughs> curiouser and curiouser <laughs> you know like that's just another thing and then he he likes to forge swords right is something else that they say about him yeah 
But I just know that this kid is going to show up wielding a sword at some point with that helmet. <laughs> and you are they not... They make a big deal about that Yes, helmet. you know, I mean, there's going to be no mistaking who he is when he comes. I don't know who he's going to be coming after, but I feel like he's coming with the helmet and that's how you're going to know who he is. And he's going to be wielding that sword and probably chopping somebody's head off. <laughs> But, um, you know, we have not had any deaths in a very long time. We haven't. I don't know that it'll be him that's coming to make the next death, but he will be making death, I think, in the future. (laughs) So let's just say that way. Well, when Ned leaves the boy, you know, after he's having this conversation, he leaves and then he asks the armorer, who paid the boy's apprentice fee? So at first, the armorer says the boy showed so much promise that he didn't take a fee. And Ned is like, eh, please, you better tell me the truth because, of course, you took a fee. And the armorer says that just some lord came and paid twice the usual fee. Once for the boy and once for his silence. And he describes this lord as stout, round of shoulder, brown beard with a bit of red in it, wearing a rich cloak of heavy purple velvet worked with silver threads. But the hood shadowed his face, and so the armorer really couldn't see him, and we don't really know who it was. We just have this description and know that he paid a bunch of money to, like, take care of this kid and don't tell anyone about him. Again, curiouser and curiouser. So Ned thanks the armorer, and then when he leaves, he's just left wondering what John Aaron wanted with one of Robert's bastards. Like, why? He's wearing the same thing as you, Mom. Like, what is up with this kid? Why would? Why is this kid any different from any other one of Robert's kids? Like, this particular one. And whatever this situation is, why was it worth John Aaron's life? So we kind of don't know, but we have received some more information about what was going on. So So it's just curiouser and curiouser. Like I said, I'm waiting to see. We shall see. (laughs) But we did not have any deaths in this chapter. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's kind of been a while. So let's move on to Catelyn 5. So in this chapter, Catelyn and Roderick have been traveling back to Winterfell along the King's Road. It's been raining, and so they decide to stop at this inn at the crossroads that Catelyn knows from when she was a kid. And she's like, all right, let's let's stop here. And Roderick is like, eh, I don't think we should stop. Somebody's going to recognize you. I don't think this is a good idea. And then a lord passes by them, Jason Malister, who is a bannerman to Catelyn's dad, who knows the Tullys. And he just kind of passes them by with just like a nod and a glance and walks out. And Roderick is like, oh, he didn't recognize you. And Callan's like, I mean, we're full of mud out, like drown rats in the rain. Like he doesn't expect to see me here. So no, he didn't recognize me. And so that's when Roderick is like, okay, like she's like, I think staying in the inn will be fine. So they do. They go in there. Catelyn also thinks about going to River Run to consult with her dad because her dad has always advised her on things. But her dad's like old and sick and she doesn't really want to burden him with it. So then she thinks about going to the Eyrie to ask Lysa because Lysa will have all this information and the people at the Eyrie are the ones that have all the information. But it's super dangerous to get to the Eyrie and she doesn't really think that Roderick will be able to protect her from the animals and things on the road to the Eyrie and like all the like thieves and murderers and everything else that's Mm -hmm. on this road. Super dangerous. So she's like, no, I should just keep going back to Winterfell. That's where my sons are. That's where my duty is. So she also just thinks about this list of her father's bannermen. There's a whole bunch of them. And so the, the main ones are the Brackens and Lady Went from Harrenhal like the haunted ghostly hair mm-hmm. hall that she talks about there's 
Walder, Frey, and there's just this list of people that are all like loyal to her dad. And so she starts thinking about them and how she really isn't 100% sure that if it comes to war that these people would really fight on her side. She's like, I think some of them would, but I don't know about some of them. And so she's like, we can't let this come to war. We just can't. We have to figure this out. So the dinner bell rings. Well, she she remembers the woman that ran the the inn, right? right? And how she would give her cakes and tea and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then when she goes in to the inn and sees the lady, the lady's older, but she's still the same Masha or whatever her name is. Yeah, Masha, yeah. You know, she's still the same lady. And she chews on that stuff that makes her teeth Teeth really red. red, So so it looks like her mouth is scary (laughs) So, and so she's like, oh, we're here. And the lady's like, oh, okay, well, I don't have any room. The only two rooms I got left are, like, right underneath the big bell, right? Right. And whatever. And so they're like, okay. So she's like, well, so much for, like, tea and cakes and, you know, whatever. I thought that was kind of funny. And then when the the bell rings. no one's recognizing her, which is interesting. But, I mean, I guess she... She hasn't been there since she was a kid, so right. I guess the le- the lady running the inn probably wouldn't recognize her anyway. Right. But I yeah. thought it was funny when they said that the bell rang. How it was like, like vibrated, like your whole body vibrates and everything. Yeah. And the other thing that cracked me up is when they go down to eat and they sit with this young singer fella. How everybody like makes fun of him and like hates him and so this they're pretending to be father and daughter Catelyn and Roderick because <laughs> they don't want the and that was kind of funny too because oh, Roger keeps calling her my lady grandpa. well and he keeps and the singer thinks that it's a, her grandpa, her grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sure Roderick loved that. And he is this kind of like old crotchety. Like every time it's like, oh. And then he talks about that he's going to go sing at the tournament because all these rich people are there and he can just make a lot of money and he's going to bet like he lost all his money last time because he bet on Jamie and that was the wrong bet. And Roderick. And it says, like, Roderick, who feels the same way about tournaments as the Starks, because the people in the North don't like any of that crap. Right. And he's like, oh, like, maybe you shouldn't be gambling all your money away. And he's like, right. no, I'll learn my lesson. This time I'm going to put it all on Laura's Tyro, who won the last time. You know? It's like, oh, yes. good Lord. And it was so funny. And Roderick just thinks he's a waste of a human being, right. basically. He because does. all he does is sing, and he's, like, soft, and he can't fight, or he can't do any of those things. Yeah, he's and- a singer and yeah. not a sword fighter so yeah. he's not so, like a real man or whatever right and yeah. i just thought that was funny and then the door busts open and and this i was not expecting i have to be honest i never even thought about it yeah so this was something that kind of took me surprise yeah. yeah i was like oh my god it's Tyrion. Tyrion comes walking in yeah and i'm thinking oh no catelyn still thinks that he's the one that's responsible for brand and everything that and i'm thinking oh this is not gonna to be good and it was not it was good, not good. <laughs> well at first Catelyn is still trying to keep hidden because she's like oh crap like Tyrion's gonna recognize her right and so she tries to keep her head down at first he's not even glancing their way and then the stupid singer yeah. gets up and is like lord let me <laughs> sing for you yeah. at your dinner right. and he's like oh hell no like that would make my dinner worse not better like go away but because the singer is sitting with them Tyrion's looking that way and then he recognizes Catelyn and he's like oh lady Stark it's like what a surprise to see you here. I'm right. sorry I missed you at Winterfell. Like, he's nice about it, but right. you can tell that he's, like, did not expect to see her at this inn. No, and is like, I don't know, like, he's nice, right? He's not, he yeah. does not expect, he doesn't know 
that she suspects him of right. anything. Right? No, he's just he's nice like about totally it. taken aback by all of this, you know. Well, he's just like, oh hey, what's up? And then she she stands up, and then well, he like pays off some guy to stay in his room too, because at right. first they're like, there's no rooms or whatever. Right. But then Catelyn stands up and she starts going around to all the men in the room. And this is kind of where it comes to play that all of these people are groups that are bannermen to her dad. Right. Because mm-hmm. she's like, okay, Lady Wentz men of Harrenhal and Bracken's men of whatever and Walder Frey's men, like, are your lords still loyal to my dad? And they're right. all basically like, yeah. And so she says, well, if you are, then I'm going to say that this man, she points at Tyrion, conspired to murder my seven-year-old kid, and you need to help me bring him back to Winterfell to face the king's justice. And they do. They all get up and put their swords in Tyrion's (laughs) face. And then she says that, like, she was, she was like, I don't know what's more satisfying, because this is Catelyn's point of view. The the number the, the, of people, people who got up to put their swords in his face or the look, the look on, on his, his face, face right? Because you, know? you right. know he's got to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, like, what, what, what happened just now? Like, all right. I did was say hi, and this is what I get. Yeah. Um. On a side note, I thought it was interesting that the Lord of the Twin Towers of I was going to say Fry. You said Frey. Yeah. They they say um, Frey. His name is Lord Walder, which is like Hodor's name. Oh, it is the same name as Hodor. So I just thought that was interesting, just as a little side note. And then, like you said, I can't imagine Tyrion is like, what's going on? Like, he had no clue that that's what she thought. And surely he's like completely confused. I can't wait for the next Tyrion chapter. Which we will get to in the next segment. Yeah, well, so, because I I can't wait to see what his point of view is of this. Because I just keep thinking, oh my goodness, and surely, I keep thinking surely something thing is going to happen to prove that Tyrion's not involved at some point. You know, like, we got to find that out. And I think it's going to happen pretty quickly, I think. I still don't believe, nope, nope, Tyrion didn't have nothing to do with it. I'm not convinced of that. And I'm wondering if little Bran, you know, because he's been, he helped out Bran, right? Yeah, he did. You know, so now Catelyn's bringing Tyrion back to Winterfell where Bran is, Mm -hmm. Rob is. Yep. So that when she brings him back, they're going to be like, wait, he was just here. He's doing all this stuff for Bran. But then she's going to be like, like, yeah, but he conspired to kill Bran. So, but I still think, well, you know, Bran's a little seer. So I still think Bran's going to be the one that's going to help Tyrion to get out of this because Mm -hmm. he's going to remember something or see something. And I think he's going to help Tyrion. And then I think Tyrion's going to end up helping them. But anyway. The Starks? Yeah. Because he likes them. I mean, let's be honest. He likes them. He thinks they're okay. And quite frankly, they don't treat him real poor. I mean, with the exception of Ben. But I feel like Ned, and especially John, they they treat him well. And like, Rob didn't like him at first. But then Rob is like, well, you know, he can't be that bad. He's helping my little brother out. Right. You know, so I I don't, and not for a second do I believe that he's a bad guy. Anyway. (laughs) We shall see. So, nobody died in this chapter either. Death toll is zero. So, we're getting up there in pages of no deaths. But finally, we have Sansa 2. And this whole chapter covers this ridiculous tournament that's happening in Ned's name that we've been hearing so much there about. There are so many names at the beginning it's of this chapter. It's literally just lists of names. It's ridiculous. 
That's right. I'm like, you're kidding me. Really? Couldn't you just say a bunch of dudes came to fight? You know, and like name some of the most important ones that are actually in the tournament and not all the watchers and bystanders and whoever. I just felt like it was way too many. I was like, okay, I'm surely don't need to know all of it. It was a bit overwhelming. And you don't. I'll call out the ones that are like meaningful. But Sansa goes and she watches this like spectacle and she is taken with sir loris tyrell who is very good looking he's the knight of the flowers and he's like every time he wins a match he's like giving these flowers to different like pretty maidens in the audience or whatever and then he gives her a red rose which he's given all the other ones white roses and he's like oh you're the most beautiful of them all whatever and you can kind of tell he's 16 so he's a little bit closer to her age too because she's 13 and you can just kind of tell that he's just a little player kind of like oh he's like putting on a show for all these girls or whatever he knows he's good looking and she just kind of gets a little taken with him and her best friend Jane Poole who is watching with her gets taken with Sir Beric Dondarrion and so Sir Beric comes and Jane Poole immediately like she sees him and she's like I would marry him in an instant (laughs) like he's supposed to be like he's so good looking so Sansa is taken with Loras and her best friend is taken with Beric Dondarrion who is you know it's like all these good looking knights and these girls are like 13 or whatever and so they're just like oh this is so wonderful best day ever and as the tournament progresses they're left with a final four of Jamie Lannister Loras Tyrell, the Hound, and the Hound's brother, Gregor Clegane. They all win their matches. They become the final four. What's important to know about one of the matches is that in one of the matches, Gregor Clegane, who I think this is the first time we like meet him, actually, the Hound's brother, he kills the knight he's jousting against when his stick just goes right through the guy's throat and the dead body lands like within a few feet of Sansa and Jane. And Jane, like, freaks out, and she has to be taken away. But Sansa is, like, stone-cold composure. She's like, this is how a lady's supposed to be. This happens sometimes at tournaments. She's never seen a man die before, but she's like, I know how a lady is supposed to act. Well, and she she's sort of composed. fascinated with it and everything. Yeah. And then, I, I guess I had I had a question about that, because yeah. he was some sort of Veil of Aaron or something, was this boy, his name? They never said his name. He was of the Veil. So the Veil oh, is the- a place. Of Aaron. Yeah, like so John, John Aaron. Aaron. Okay, yeah, so, so John Aaron and was that's Lord of the Veil. The Veil. Which is so part of one the of eerie. John Aaron's people. Correct. Okay, yeah. and that's that was my question. Yeah. but I And that's what I assumed, but I wanted to make sure. And then yeah. the other thing, they say Sir Loras Tyrell, and they bring him up. He's yeah. Lord Knight of the Flowers or whatever. And they talk about Mace Tyrell, who is Lord of Highgarden. I'm like, that sounded familiar. And I was like, okay, that has something to do with Sam that we met with John, right? Yeah. Sam's dad is Tarly, and Tarly is a bannerman to Tyrell. Okay. So Tyrell is the warden of of the south the big guy and sam's dad like fights for tyrell yeah yeah okay yep and so i was like okay and marjorie tyrell who is the one that renly talks about is loris's sister okay yeah got it so anyway so i'm still see i'm not as dumb as i thought i was i'm connecting the dots i'm starting to make some sense out of it yeah and then she's so smitten but i was thinking oh uh joffrey is not going to take to her being smitten to you know that's this is his betrothed you know and he's not going to take to her being smitten with him you know, and if she goes off with him, then what in hell is Cersei going to do with her? You know, like yeah. I'm thinking, 
ain't gonna happen because well, Joffrey and she and wouldn't because she's like happen. a lady. So right. I think you know. And then it did surprise me, so to speak, that she was very intrigued. Let's say by this young boy being killed like right in front of her. You yeah. know that that was kind of I don't know. I think I'd have been more like Jane and throwing right. up and running out. Right? Not her boy. No, she was stone cold. She yeah. just stood there and watched it and was like, "This is what a lady." And then the whole do. the next thing that happens is Littlefinger shows up. Right? Yeah. So Littlefinger. And that's freaking creepy. That was so weird. That was so gross. I'm like, what in the heck is he doing? Well, because he shows up and he comments like, oh, you must be her daughter. Meaning Catelyn, mm-hmm. uh, because you have the Tully look. And he says, like, oh, your mother was my queen of beauty once. And he, like, creepily touches her face and her hair. And he's like, oh, you have her same hair and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, this is yeah. so creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you even doing? And then he just kind of does that and then walks away. Walks off. And it's like, oh. It was like, ew, ew, ew. And then Crazy. it gets dark. And so they decide not to finish the tournament. So it's down to these four. Jamie, the brothers, the Hound and the Mountain, Sander and Gregor, right. and Loris. And it's down to those four, but it's dark. And so they're like, we'll just, we'll just finish this in the morning. So they don't actually finish the tournament. And so after that, they all go to dinner. And of course, there's like, it's George R. R. Martin. And so there's like obscene descriptions of all the food and all this stuff as well. Like this is kind of the first chapter where I feel like there was just overwhelming descriptions of food, which get used to that because it's like, that's one of the things people make fun of with George R. R. Martin is like his food porn because it's just like he just overly describes <laughs> oh, the food a yeah, lot yeah it's crazy so, yeah it's a but lot but look you get a good idea oh of, you can taste it yeah it's like oh man know, i want this meal yeah this sounds like yeah. you know the how they braised the i don't know oryx and <laughs> garlic and herbs and you know i can smell it I, yeah, the, yeah whatever i'm like yeah you're not kidding i want to sit down and have water. some of that absolutely so it was it was it was good but and then, so what's interesting is that during this dinner a very drunk <laughs> robert gets super pissy and he like stands up and he starts yelling at cersei and he's like if i want to fight i'm gonna fight i'm the king and you're a woman you can't tell me what to do and like cersei he storms out of the room and Jamie is trying to calm Robert down and he like pushes Jamie and Jamie kind of falls and he's like yeah you see that I can push you in the dirt you better remember that King Slayer and it's like whoa you yeah. are drunk like what is even happening yeah so there's that little incident yeah. at dinner as well and the other little thing that cracked me up was Septa Mordain gets drunk and passes out, <laughs> passes out. <laughs> I'm like well your girl knows how to tie one on after all you know she knows how to let loose a little bit after all I yeah. thought that was funny but well because joffrey brings wine to sansa and at first septa is kind of just looking and then joffrey gives her some wine she shuts up and then she just gets drunk and passes yeah like literally her head on the table like passes out yeah um but when all of that happened with robert i was thinking is he really gonna fight like is he really gonna and what happens if if they kill him, you know, right. then who's Joffrey's the next person Correct. in line. Joffrey and I'm thinking, Oh God help us. Right. You know, because that's bullshit. That that <laughs> little shithead gets, you know, to be King. Really? I can only see Ned. Really? Ned's got to be the hand to that little <laughs> asshole. I don't think so. So <laughs> I'm thinking surely Robert, so, uh, hopefully somebody talks some sense into his ass because 
that can't happen. So I was thinking about that. And then when the Septa gets completely drunk and passes out, I'm twice as pissed off. Well, you know, Joffrey is Joffrey, right? He's just a little shit that thinks about himself and nobody else, right? right? So what does he do? He sends the hound. Yeah, well, he shows up. And I think it's also important to know that Sansa says she finds it difficult to hate him. She feels like maybe she should hate him after all the things that happened with Lady, but she doesn't blame him for that. She blames Arya. She's like, all that was Arya's fault. Joffrey, you know, was just kind of a side piece to this whole thing. And so she really blames it all on Arya. And she's so she's like, oh, it's hard to hate Joffrey when all of that was Arya's fault. And so I just Which is think totally that was, wrong. It's totally wrong. It's, but that's what you know, she thinks. That's like messed up thinking. So it really is. But yeah, she she he asked Joffrey asked, do you want an escort? And she says, yes, thinking he's going <laughs> to escort her. Sure, and then he calls for the hound. Surely yeah. we know better because Joffrey's not going to do anything for his own self. No. You know, if it doesn't benefit him, unless he thought he was going to get something out of it, right. he's not going. Right. And he knew he wasn't going to get nothing out of her, walking her back. So he's like, mm, nope, here, nope. get the hound. Yeah. But then I thought and the their interaction was very interesting. It was. And the Septa's passed out, so she's got to go with the hound by herself. And she kind of she kind of tries to wake the Septa up. She's like, and the Septa's like, nope, no, passed she out. Is so passed she's kind of forced to go alone with the hound. And yes, their interaction is very it's interesting. It's very interesting because it was unexpected, I guess. I mean, I expected for her to be, I would have been scared to death. Right. Right? I would have right. been like, okay, this dude's going to rape me and kill me. But it was very interesting because you see why the hound is like the why he is like he is. Yeah. What what caused him to be that way? And and he's nice to her. He is nice to her. He kind of confides in her. And you see this human side of this dog, right? Like you yeah. see the human side of this person that we have considered an animal this whole time because he killed the little Micah boy and yeah. he did all of that. But then you see the human side. You understand why he has become the monster he has become and in the end he reverts back to that monster because he tells her if you tell anybody well let's talk about the story so sansa's trying to be polite to him and he calls her a little bird and says oh you're just a little bird that repeats whatever they want to tell you whatever Mm -hmm. they tell you to say so he's just kind of not having her platitudes and when she tries to compliment his brother gregor the hound tells her anyone who believes that Gregor killing that night was an accident is an asshole. Like he did not, his lance goes where he wants it to go. And that was not an accident. Right. You know, like he right. saw that the, that the armor was weak or whatever. The kid didn't know how to put the thing on. And so right. he did that and on so purpose. He killed him. And like he got pleasure out of that. Instead of right. just beating the kid, he had to kill him. Right. right? So that he gets pleasure, he out, gets of pleasure bringing, out of hurting other people. Right. Right. Bringing other people pain. Sure. And then he, forces her to look at his messed up face he's like you're gonna look you trying not to look but look at it you know get a good look at my face you know like (laughs) take a good look at this face and then he tells her the story of how it really happened there are a lot of rumors and a lot of people think a lot of different things about how his face got burnt up but he tells her the true story which is that When he was like seven years old, his brother's five years older than him. So his brother was like 12 or 13, already off like night training and all this kind of stuff. And he's just this little kid. He's seven. And this like toy maker in town gave them some toys. And 
he doesn't even remember which toy he got, but he really wanted the toy that Gregor got because it was this like little night doll that you could move its limbs and make it fight and stuff. And he really wanted that toy. And his brother was off doing stuff. And so he takes the toy and he's playing with the toy. And his brother finds out that he took the toy and gets really pissed off and shoves his freaking face into the fire and like just like burns up his entire face. And then after that, the dad told everybody, oh, Sanders' bed caught on fire and sent him to the maester to get him his oils or whatever and, like, gave Gregor his oils as well. Gregor becomes a knight. And even though people knew what happened, they just kind of put pushed it under the rug and whatever. And it's, like, a horrible story. And Sansa feels bad for him, too. She even says, like, I'm not scared of him anymore. I feel bad for him. Like, that's terrible. And she even says, like, your brother was no true knight. And then Sander kind of laughs, and he's like, yeah, you're right, little bird. Like, Mm -hmm. he wasn't, he's not a true knight. And then, like you said, he reverts back at the end, because she's like, well, thank you, you know, and Mm -hmm. they have this little moment, and then, and then he, like, Oh, turns, turns on a dime, on a dime and is like if you freaking tell anybody, anybody Joffrey your dad like I don't care who anybody I will freaking kill you <laughs> you know like you better not tell anyone I ever and right. she's like I won't I, I won't tell. you know no but then I think she will have a different attitude towards him and I also think because of that he will be more protective of her mm-hmm. you know I just feel like that's how I feel about it. And I feel like he'll kill her, sure. If she speaks, he's going to kill her. There's right. no two ways about it. Yeah. But I also feel like, I don't know, like they've had this moment and that he'll be a little more protective of her as well. And I'm glad that they showed you that side of him and like you get to know what the real deal was and, and then you get to know who Gregor is, which he is a oh, shithead. And they call well. him the mountain. So Sander yeah. is the hound is and the Gregor hound. is the mountain because yeah. he's this huge huge guy and then sander even says yeah you know like i might have to kill my brother tomorrow right you know like so think about that for a minute and you know i just feel like yeah that you see a human side to him that we have not seen before i thought that was good that that he put that in there but then again he's he will return to being the hound and you know the hound is is the hound so that's true Um, so we did have one death in this chapter, mm-hmm. technically, Gregor Clegane killed that poor little random knight in the tournament. So that does count. I have counted other random deaths that we don't know. Wasn't anyone big? He doesn't count in the grand scheme of things, but technically somebody died. Right. So, so now we're going to have to wait and see who wins this tournament because it's still not over. Correct. You know, so not. we're going to have to see, is it Gregor? Is it Sandor? Is it... I don't know, one of the other guys, you know, I feel like it's going to come down to the two of them just because they're brothers and one of them's going to go and one of them's going to stay. But I don't know, I I guess we'll have to see and we'll have to see what happens with Sansa as well. Yep. So, to help a mother out, there were a lot of names this time. I'm not going to, like, list all of the names, but I will list the people that we met in this segment that matter in some way shape or form because there's a lot of names that are mentioned so we met Jana slint who is the commander of the city watch who was like the chief of police basically mm-hmm. we met gendry who was robert's bastard child we met lord jason malister who is bannerman to the tullies who we actually meet like twice because they talk about him in the inn with catlin and then he's also at the tournament 
So they mention him a couple of times. Gregor Clegane, the mountain, who is the hound's brother. We meet Lord Beric Dondarrion, who they make a big deal about him arriving at the tournament, like we said. And then they talk about how he's really attractive and Jane Poole like immediately pledges herself to him and all that stuff. Also Thoros of Myr, who is a warrior priest who supposedly has a flaming sword. He's at the tournament as well. We don't get anything big, but they mention that he's there. And Sir Balin Swan, who is like another person that's there fighting at the tournament. They mention him a couple of times, but we don't get to see much from him. Loras Tyrell, who they do make a bigger deal about, the youngest son of Mace Tyrell, Warden of the South. And him and Marjorie are brother and sister. And the only reason I mention this is because they make jokes about him later on. So Moon Boy is the king's fool. And uh, he shows up in this at some point. He's doing some sort of act for people. I mention that because they make jokes like, oh, well, Moon Boy couldn't do it. So whatever. So whenever you hear Moon Boy, you just kind of know that that's the king's fool. he's a just. Correct. And... Of course, countless knights and lords who show up to this tournament. We just, but those are the ones worth mentioning. And then there are people who have been mentioned, but we didn't actually meet, like Marjorie, the daughter of Mace Tyrell, Lord Hoster Tully, who is Catelyn's father, and Lord of River Run. He's super sick, but he's still in the picture. Edmer Tully, who is Catelyn's brother, and then Lord Tully's bannermen, who there are a bunch of them: the Blackwoods, the Brackens. Lady Went of the Haunted Heron Hall, which Heron Hall, you know, these places come into play eventually. Mm-hmm. Lord Waldefrey, who also we didn't mention this, but he's 90 years old and they're talking about how he's outlived all of his wives and on his 90th birthday, he's like taking a new wife for his 90th <laughs> birthday. They so they talk about that. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing that they mention about Lord Waldefrey is that during the Battle of the Trident, when, when Robert was fighting the Targaryens, like the Lannisters, he showed up after it was all over and done with with all of his men and he just he showed up they call him the late lord walder Mm -hmm. because he showed up super late and then he kept saying oh i was on your side the whole time but catelyn is kind of thinking in her head if we wouldn't have been victorious he'd probably been saying the same thing to the other people just Mm -hmm. showed up late and like whoever was one is who Mm -hmm. he would be so that's why even though he is a bannerman to her father she's like doesn't know how loyal he actually ends up well being so that's all of the like is it really mad he's 90 years old (laughs) Exactly. So that's all of the like major uh, people that are in play now. And so where is everyone? Again, going from houses. So the Starks mostly are at Winterfell. Bran, Rob, Rickon, and Maester Lewin are at Winterfell. Ned, Sansa, and Arya are in King's Landing. Jon Snow is at the Wall. Catelyn is on her way back to Winterfell with Sir Roderick at that inn. Benjen Stark and Nymeria are still missing. That's all the Starks. The Lannisters... Tyrion is at the inn with those members of the Night's Watch, including Yorin and all of them, but now Catelyn has taken him back to Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Cersei and Jaime are in King's Landing, and Tywin, their dad, is still at Casterly Rock, as far as we know. The Baratheons, the Three Stooges, Robert and Renly are both in King's Landing, Stannis is at Dragonstone, and then Robert's kids, Joffrey, Marcella, and Tommen, are in King's Landing with him. And then Targaryens are still with the Dothraki. Out. We haven't visited them yet uh, again. Theon Greyjoy is still in Winterfell. The Grey Wolf Kid, Greyjoy, comes into play. Tyrell, so Loras Tyrell is in King's Landing at the tournament. Mace Tyrell, his dad, is at High Garden, as far as we know. And Marjorie has been mentioned. We don't know where she is, but we can assume she's at High Garden as well. And then the Night's Watch are pretty much all at the wall. Like none of the none of the Night's Watch, except for Yorin and the couple that are accompanying Tyrion. The rest of them are all at the wall. Other 
players, Hodor and Old Nan, are still in Winterfell. Varys, Littlefinger, and Maester Pycelle of the Small Council are all in King's Landing. The Cleganes, Sander and Gregor, are also in King's Landing. And Barristan Selmy and Ilan Payne, who are the in the like guard and the executioner, are in King's Landing as well. And we can just assume that most people are in King's Landing for this ridiculous tournament. So those are all the so the major like house players right now are the Starks, the Lannisters, the Baratheons, the Targaryens, the Tyrells, and the Greyjoys. So those are the big ones that we've like seen in play at some point so far. So the total death toll for this se- segment is technically one: the Nameless Knight that Gregor Clegane cuts down during the tournament. But no major deaths to speak of. And we still have two missing persons. And, well, missing person and a missing direwolf. Benjamin Stark and Nymeria. That is our show. Listen next time as we discuss Ned 7, Tyrion 4, and Arya 3. You can catch us every other weekend on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and tubbyandcoos.com. If you like our show, please consider leaving a review or a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps us to spread the word. And when you're, you know, sitting around discussing Game of Thrones with your friends, mention that there's this great podcast they should listen to. You can find a recap of this week's podcast at www.tubbyandcoos.com slash podcast. You can also follow the bookstore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at tubbyandcoos spelled out to keep up with all of our work. Hit us up and let us know what you think as you read or listen along. We'd love to hear from you, but please, no spoilers. Mom doesn't know what is coming, and we like to keep it that way. I'm Candace Huber. And I'm the mom. And now Mom's Watch has ended.